This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. And today, Warwick Long, we put our focus back on Echuca and the mighty Murray River at a time when they would normally be preparing for the busiest time of the year. It's hard to know at the moment who is open for business and whether or not tourists will be returning this summer. And this is a place that is close to the heart of this program. We've spent a lot of time talking about Echuca Moama. We've spent a lot of time talking about the Murray in itself too, Rochelle. And think about the journey that community in particular has been on. Our first trip there for the conversation hour was to talk about the effects of COVID for border communities when you literally had the bridge to some of the services that you usually rely on in a border town cut off with borders put up to not allow people to go interstate. And the summers that were affected by COVID since then have obviously come and gone. And now we're talking about flooding in this area and the impacts of that and what's open, what's not, and how the community is going. feels like this area can't catch a break. I know. And you would hope, but you don't know what the right thing to do is. If you would normally, and there would be multiple families dotted all around Victoria that would flock to the Murray every year and maybe have been doing so for years, for decades even, for generations. It's where you go. It's where you spend your Christmas and your holiday period. So what do you need to know this summer period? And for locals in the area, what do you want tourists to know as well around who's open? Can you swim in the river? Can you fish in the river? Are the paddle steamers, are the paddle boats up and running? What do you need to know? So we're going to try and work through as much of that today as possible. But if you're a local that lives along the river, what do you want us to know? If you're someone that travels there a lot, are you thinking about going this year or are you maybe thinking otherwise? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. It's often a rite of passage for people going to the Murray at this time of year. There are families there that have homes or uh, that have accommodation sort of setups in areas around Echuca Moama, but right up and down uh, the Murray that will be meeting around Christmas time for traditional holidays when everyone either brings the kids or mum and dad come and we catch up with the grandparents and spend some time around the river. Are you going to be doing that this year or do you think you've got to come up with a different idea? Are you worried about that experience changing this year or are things open for business? You can tell us that too. 1300 774. Mark Taylor, Professor Mark Taylor is the Chief Enver- Environmental Scientist at the EPA. Mark, there's a lot of questions around the river itself at the moment and how safe it is and whether or not we can swim in the river this summer. Is it too early to tell at the moment? I think, look, the river's still in flood, okay? So the advice, the consistent advice that we provide is please stay out of the water. Treat the water as contaminated. We are collecting data. We've got a sample program and monitoring program out now which will continue um, right through the holiday period and we'll be adding location, additional locations in the region <coughs> to make sure other locations such as Lake Epilock and the northwest region around Echuca and Lake Moaba will also be safe and, and clean. But 
in the absence of actually looking at the website and looking at our data, just you have to just people know those places, they know the locations, um, they know the they they know what the water should normally look like, and they should use that place-based evidence to make a decision for themselves at that time, along with looking at our impacted rivers website. Yeah, the, the EPA do a lot of monitoring on what is happening in in water, particularly uh, after the, the floods and even during it. What have you seen so far, in, and not even exclusive to the Murray, but in all our river systems um, during the, the flood events this year? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Look, the contaminant of concern has been E. coli, so it's pathogen-based. We've identified that there are some trace elements, there are some perfluorinated chemicals, there are some phthalates, which is a chemical used in plastics, present in the water, and some pesticides. But there are all at very low levels. At level, We measured ultra-trace concentrations. They're not at levels of concern. And we've you know, the, the issue of concern largely revolves around E. coli, and E. coli comes from um, uh, our stomachs, the stomachs and intestines of warm-blooded animals, I should say, not stomachs, intestines of warm-blooded animals. And if you are exposed to E. coli, you get sickness, diarrhea, gastroenteritis, and I don't know anybody who likes that. And that's why we say, just baggy time, let the flood subside, look at the water, make a decision on that, because... Our sampling is at places and at times, which uh, they're sort of they're specific. It doesn't necessarily characterise the all the water all of the time. It gives us a general understanding of the state and health of that water, and so that's why the advice remains the same. If the river's in flood, we can't see what's in the water. It could be you know sticks and things in the water, and we can't, don't can't always say what the water's composed of. Yeah, so if that makes sense. Absolutely, it's such an important point. I guess broadening the lens out a little bit as well from the Murray for just a moment, the onflow effects, if you don't mind the pun there, is quite large and affects all different parts of the, uh, into the bay, even in Melbourne, when we're talking about flooding events and where people should and shouldn't be swimming this summer. I dare say your website's going to have a lot of clicks over the next couple of weeks, but I guess what you're saying, Mark, would broaden out beyond the Murray River. That's correct. And we, we've got our beach report and people can go online and they can see what the state of the beaches are. We've got forecasting. We do sampling either once or twice a week. Sometimes we do it twice if the, if the water quality is not looking great to give some better advice. Um, and people need to look at that and make, make the decisions based upon that advice. It's available for everybody. You can sign up for, um, for SMS messages that fill you in about the you know, what the state of the beaches are and whether it's safe to swim. It's really difficult because what's upstream comes downstream and a lot of stuff has been coming downstream, as you know, flows into the bay and the water becomes murky and muddy and with that transported a variety of contaminants and we we ask people to take a risk-based approach. Well, Professor Mark Taylor, thanks very much for providing us this, this information today on the program and telling people where they can go and find out more. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to come on again and, and talk to the community. Chief Environmental Scientist there at the EPA. Rochelle, it, it is really interesting. It almost goes to your conversation yesterday on the conversation now about these things that might be uncomfortable that we almost don't want to know the answer to, but yet 
it's still really important yeah. to, to go and find the details and go and find what you need and, and at least having a look at the EPA website to find out if there's contaminants in the water where you want to swim is probably a good idea. And if you're in Melbourne or in the suburbs and you think, oh, well, look, I might head to down to the bay somewhere tomorrow or over the next few days because it might finally get a little bit warm and if the floods seem like a long way away for you now maybe you've put them in the back of your mind you may be thinking that you don't need to check the EPA's website this is something that not concerns you but was you know anecdotally I know people that went for a swim in the bay and they didn't check and the entire family got really really sick the gastro that Mark was just talking about it's real and it wiped a family out and that's not what you want to get especially over the holiday period. But you know what? Going to a river community, going to tourism communities along the river doesn't just involve the water. There is a whole lot of stuff that can be done, a whole lot of fun and memories that can be made. And let's speak to somebody who can talk about some of those things to find out what is open and what is happening in the community. Uh, Dean Oberon, I hope I'm saying that right, is the chair of Achikamoama Tourism and can join you now. Dean, welcome to the conversation now. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. As was just said, yes, the river is often what drives people to go and spend so much time in a beautiful part of Victoria. But even if you can't swim in certain parts of the river this Christmas and this summer period, what is open? What are local businesses hoping for this summer period? Yeah, sure. So um, we're, as the river's subsiding, um, the town is, is back trading um, all the all the uh, the shops in the new part and also the old historic part of Ichuka are, are open for business. Um, all the cafes along High Street, all our fantastic um, breakfast and lunch places, all the hotels and and the award-winning restaurants are all all trading as well. So so that's good. Um, and we've we've got visitation starting to come back. The big clubs over in Moama and Ichuka being the workies, the the Moama Bowling Club and the Golf Club. And also the RSL, they're all they're all trading. Um, the golf course is open for business, so uh, everything's everything's there. The e-bike e-bike guy's got his mountain bikes for, for hire. So I went for a ride last <laughs> night after after work around the around the subsiding floodwaters, celebrating the fact that the the bike paths are open down Warren Street. So it was good. Um, so yeah, we're we're slowly but surely getting there. You're right. The river-based um, traditional water skiing and the like uh, will be. Later, later in the later in the summer period, um, availability. But everything else is doing the best we can with what we've got. So, what are you expecting to uh, happen this summer? And what are you expecting sort of tourism to be like in an area that obviously, for for good reason, was was under threat and not wanting people or people physically couldn't get there for a little while. But now, as things open up, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think uh, well, clearly, like the traditional. Um, you know, parks, campers on the on the banks of the Murray River, they're obviously going to be unavailable. But all the all the big uh, ho- ho- um, all the big holiday resorts, um, with have got camping and the beautiful big pools and the like, they're all they're all open again for trade. So, so yeah, the numbers, the the, the mass numbers will be down. Um, but we're still thinking that'll be buoyant in that in the you know live entertainments at the pubs every night and the whole thing. Like you took is a little bit of a a melting pot of, um, you know, like you said, traditional traditional holiday makers mm-hmm. coming up to catch up with family and friends. So uh, it won't be won't be the boom times, but it won't be be, be, uh, be better than COVID. Let's just say that. And Dean, so often when communities go through awful times like the floods, for those that aren't experiencing, we think, how can we help? What can we do? Is this something that people can do to help now to say, okay, well, actually, maybe come and spend your holidays here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think, you know, um, it's not going to be bumper to bumper down High Street where you've sort of gridlocked for an hour and a half in the in the good old days. Um, but, yeah, like the, the dining experiences that we have, the, the uh, Port of Ichuku is up and about. You know, to see the Murray River in full, in you know, full river is, is quite a remarkable thing just to sort of understand the, the enormity of the amount of water that's coming down. So, yeah, you can't you can't necessarily swim in it mm. and the like, but nonetheless, it's a, it's quite a unique uh, experience. The bird life is just mad at the moment. Um, so, so it's another different element that you know I've been living here all my life, and and I'm just I'm quite amazed how amazing it is. There's a text here saying, "What's available in ways of camping at the moment?" I don't know whether you know the ins and outs of all yes. the camping sites there, Dean. Yeah, but there's people yeah, now yeah. thinking, "Okay, maybe I'll go." Yeah, sure. So, you know, again, the, the the holiday parks they've got they've got camping camping sites available, uh, and again, they've got the facilities of you know uh, water play for the kids. They've got tennis courts and swimming pools and all that sort of stuff. So, instead of being you know a traditional um, park, uh, the bushland camper, um, let's maybe upgrade yourself to um to a, to a holiday park. And Dean, just the idea of um, how your business is going. You mentioned it earlier, sort of big, big and small <laughs> businesses, whether it be the the big traditional clubs and so forth along the Murray, or or the, the e-bike guy, and I imagine a lot of smaller uh, accommodation type places. You've had COVID. You've now got floods. How how's the industry going in your part of the world? Um, I think that the the collaboration of of you know people that are in business in these communities has been amazing. A lot a lot more. Um, support I found you know like when we're when we're busy and doing our thing and you know it's all good you sort of you sort of maybe operate in a bit of a silo whereas you know in these times of need we sort of you know we we bonded while filling sandbags we bonded while sharing staff through COVID because we you know that we needed to help each other out so on the other side of these challenging times we've got a fairly fairly amazing community of support which is which has been amazing to be part of um and and you know just the just the, the belief in that we've got a great part of uh, Victoria and, and southern New South Wales and Chickamauma and, and and love what we do. I say to my guys all the time, look, we know it's, we know it's not what it's meant to be, but we do know what we do and we try to do the best we can. And that's 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 our message, you know, just give our best. So, well, we wish you all it. the best. We really do, Dean. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, guys. Dean Oberon there, the chair of Ichuka Moama Tourism. And maybe this is you. Do you normally spend your holidays along the Murray River? And are you going this year? Or maybe you're thinking, let's go to Ichuka Moama this year to try and support the locals there. one 777 Because was we often think at the time of the crisis, at the time of the trauma, how can I help? What can I do? And mm. then after a few months, maybe that falls to the back of your mind and it's not in the forefront but now this is something we can do. And it's an easy way to help too, right? So a lot of people who are affected in floods that you see uh, and I still see in the community I, I live in right now, which was affected during the floods, don't want charity. They don't feel like they should be accepting it. They, they see, everybody always sees somebody worse off than them, right? But an easy way to help and an easy way to help a, a community that has been through something like this is to go and experience it and spend some of your money and show your support that way. And that can mean quite a lot, particularly if something like the river is out of action, which would normally have ski boats going up and down it and, and people spending all this this time either kayaking or paddleboarding there as well. We saw it all when we were there, uh, Rochelle, that um, 
if if you go during those times when you maybe can't do as much but show your support for a community, it is it is very meaningful if you're able to do that. Adrian Adams is the president of Life Saving Club Mildura, and Adrian. I guess your summer is going to be looking vastly different this year, especially given the fact that your life-saving club is still inundated by flood water. Yeah, that's correct. We'll just um, play it as we go. We're, I guess, just listening to previous comments about people saying, oh, there's always somebody worse off. We've had the benefit that a lot of other communities on the river didn't have. That is, we had a six-way leading period knowing that the water was coming our way and it gave us time to prepare. And you're very much going to have flood going on throughout this entire summer period. When we're talking about Echuca, we're talking about a lot of the water moving on. But for for you, Adrian, it's still very much there. So what does that mean for sort of the the work of Lifesavers there? I'd imagine you're you're out of the water for most of summer, eh? Yeah, that's right. We're sort of trying not to plan too far ahead because the flows can vary a fair bit. But we're not expecting to be able to be back on our beach patrolling before at least the end of January. Because uh, it's not just when the water goes down, it's the rehabilitation of the beach, it's making sure it's safe, it's getting our facilities up to scratch again. So, yeah, we're looking at alternative options more than anything else for this summer, and we've got a couple of plans in place for that. And is it right, and I'm thinking that you're deploying some of your team members and some of your lifesavers to coastal areas that might need them? It's more the case of we're looking at going there to open up some more opportunities for our lifesavers. Okay. Um, we've got a very young group and a lot of them haven't experienced ocean conditions and we've had a, a lot of support from a few of the ocean clubs over the years. So this is our way of keeping our members engaged and to just give, give back a little bit to the clubs that have supported us over the years. Yeah, so if you can't be there at your home club when you're needed, mm. um, it's a good chance for, for training and opportunities and assist elsewhere. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and so we're looking at you know, Ocean Grove as one. Um, they've taken us under their wing and assisted us greatly with a lot of training. Port Campbell in Western Victoria have been you know, very supportive to us for the last six or seven years, and Warrnambool as well. So hopefully we can reach out to those clubs and give them a little bit of a kick up and get a few of our crew down over the summer. <laughs> That's just given me the most ridiculous smile on my face. Talk about glass half full and seeing opportunities when so many people will be thinking, look, this is where, you know, our summer's been destroyed and this is where we should be spending our time. I just think that that is incredible, Adrian. A huge congratulations to you and your team. There's a lot of texts coming in asking around mosquitoes. How are the mozzies at the moment? Oh, they're always friendly, um, but they're <laughs> just a little, little bit friendlier this year. But it, it's no different to other years up here. You know, you just got to protect yourself. And in terms of Adrian, your club actual infrastructure and where you're usually uh, stationed and and keeping yep. an eye out for mm. people at the beaches. What does it look like for those who aren't in Mildura at the moment? Probably the easiest way to get a look at that is jump onto our Facebook page, uh, Mildura Lifesaving Club. We've got some photos from time to time that show the full extent of it. To give you some idea, we've got a two-storey clubhouse that's normally situated about 100, 120 metres away from the river's edge. At the moment, we've got water across the first floor. So it's quite quite a bit of water running through. So, yeah, we are fully inundated, uh, no access at all. And, and just on that, it's basically... Help people to keep out of the water. Just have a look at the photos instead.
Gosh, that sounds like a long clean-up ahead that you've got there, Adrian. Are you getting all of the assistance and, and help that you need? Oh, absolutely. Um, we, we put a call out when we vacated the building and members and friends and, and random people that we hadn't even met through the club before came and assisted us with that. Obviously, when uh, water subside, we'll be looking to more support to move things back in. But I guess the biggest thing we want at the moment is for our community of members that have been involved over the last few years to know that we're still going to be running a Nippers program this year, somewhat different from different locations, but the best way people can help is to stay involved. Well, good luck to you and good luck with the inevitable clean-up whenever it happens. Adrian Adams, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks, guys. I love the idea was that they're going, okay, all right, well, we can't do bush nippers and we can't patrol the river here and the, and the river beach, which is just beautiful for people that have never experienced the river beach. It is just unbelievable. So how can we help other communities along the coast? And not only that, how can our nippers and how can the people that we're training up as lifesavers, how can they get a better experience as well? That is such a win-win. At a time, you know, when... There's as water in your clubhouse. The, the clubhouse is still <laughs> yeah. bloody two yeah. levels underwater. Yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely amazing, and that's the attitude I was talking about. There's, yeah. there's always someone. It's I don't know if it's a very Australian thing. I don't know if it's like this in in other countries. Maybe someone can let us know. But yeah, it, it, you whenever you're in a disaster like this, there's always someone say, "Oh, someone else is is worst off," and the or here's our plan. It's all okay. Literally, while there's water in the building. It's always hard to know in situations like this whether going and spending time in the community is the right thing to do or not because it would be divided. Here's another opinion. This is from Danny and it says, I live in Echuca. The mozzies are dangerous and locals are getting their Japanese encephalitis vaccines to be prepared for the mozzies. The floods are going down but they're leaving dead fish. It stinks. There's mud and mozzies everywhere. The shops are open but is it safe for children to play outside? Maybe leave your holiday in Echuca till Easter when it will all be over by then. Sorry to be a wet blanket, but tourist organisations, do they always think about us? Now, I don't know whether everybody thinks like that, but that's from Danny and that's his one opinion. Gary Armstrong's from the Yachuka Racing Club and a local. Gary, are people divided? I mean, that's how Danny feels. He's like, maybe leave your holiday to Easter, but would other local businesses want people to push their holiday back and go another summer without any tourist dollars? Uh, absolutely not. Um, yeah, it's look. Uh, probably just just briefly on the mosquito side of it. I suppose they were really at their peak probably three or four weeks ago, and they have certainly subsided quite a bit now. Yeah, there's still a few around, but you probably find some areas are a lot worse than others. So, um, you know, just generally walking the dog and stuff like that. Now there's nothing like what they were. So I think they sort of go a little bit in cycles, and as the water gets away more and more, hopefully they'll reduce more and more. So. Yeah, I don't 100% agree with Danny on that one, but that's okay. And, well, take us to, to your part of the world. What do you think your summer's going to look like um, as floodwater subsides and uh, you start to welcome more more tourism back to the area and have more events? Yeah, look, it's, it's really important. Like, the town is obviously a very, very strong tourist destination and, you know, we survive on events and we survive on people visiting the town. That's one of our major, you know, our major things. Um the town's coming back together. We're recovering. The water's getting away. Um, a lot of work to do through our caravan parks and accommodation and stuff like that. But they're slowly starting to, to fix things up. Um, but we, we probably need the message to get out there that 
look, come and have a look. Come, come and see us. Come and stay with us. Um, yeah, there's, I know that they've just moved the Southern 80 back by two weeks, so it'll be the end of March, not early March, which, or sorry, not um, early Feb, which is, which is uh, probably sensible as well. Um, we've still got our Big River Votes Festival. That's still scheduled to go ahead, so that's another important drawcard for the town. So there's still that, those big events are still being planned for and, and are now you know, in the calendar, which is, which is really positive. Um, you know, in our cup, obviously I'll look after the race course. Our cup will be the long weekend in March, so that's another big event, you know, for us and the town. So they're all things that each little individual one helps just that bit more, a few more, you know, bit, bit more accommodation, people buying fish and chips or, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm. So but all, all those little pieces need to come together to, to, to make sure that, you know, the town can come back nice and strong. Well, there's lots of text saying we're planning on camping there for many weeks over the summer and people asking questions around whether or not they can go. So that's a, a really good sign. And I guess it's like you said, Gary, it's, I mean, even if it's for a shorter period or for a day trip, depending on where you live, but making those calls and making those inquiries and maybe one of the, the glass half full parts of it not being a really really hot summer is that you're not going to be desperate to swim as much as you would be in the past so there's plenty of other things to do how's the racetrack looking yeah no we're okay um because we we were lucky enough that the flood water comes up towards us but didn't impact us directly um obviously impacted most of the events that we had planned over that time but that's you know that's just the way it goes there's a lot worse off than us um so no we're like everyone else now we're starting to to plan for that big event we have having marked, so that's where our focus sort of goes to for the time being. And Gary, yeah. just before we let you go, what's it like being a local in this part of the world? As we started this show, we were remembering bridges being shut during COVID and what that meant for, for summers mm-hmm. and years in Echuca, Moama, and now you've had floods coming through where lit- literally big levees had to be built down streets in the town, which obviously divided part of the, the, the community as well during that period. What's it like living in Echuca, Moama at the moment? Yeah, look, it was it was really quite bizarre. Look, to, to the obviously the the speed that those things were all put into place obviously impacted everybody. Like, and some people more than others. But to see it all of a sudden happening in front of you was 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 um, quite unusual. Um, now we're going to the other side where you know people are looking for those things to be removed. And some of the the things that that are sort of funny, like you drive around like crossing over the bridge and to see the some of the weird debris that's stuck, yeah, you know, that's stuck in amongst the trees, like gas bottles and big plastic buckets, and just I saw a, a double door fridge that's stuck on a fence on the way into on the way into town, coming in from the Swan Hill way, like just really bizarre sort of things. So, look, it's been yeah, it's been for, not just for for our, our town, but lots of lots of places have had a pretty tough three years. Um, everyone keeps talking about getting back to normal. I honestly don't think we know what normal is anymore. No. Um, we sort of we we sort of get over something like the COVID or, or in our case the floods this time, and then you sort of think, oh, what's what's on the horizon? What's the next thing that's going to come and give us a whack between the eyes? But but you you talked about the spirit before, and I was listening, and and, and there is a lot of that, you know, and, and people want to see their their towns prosper, want to see things get back to normal, you know. So we, we're all we're all sort of I think we're class glass half full people, and I think that's really important. Because I think if we get to glass half empty, then or looking at it as being empty, then I think that's a 
different mindset altogether. And I'm so glad because when the, the adrenaline wears off, you know, during the peak of the of the trauma and when everybody's sandbagging and everybody's helping out, you're running on adrenaline and you're just yeah. you're getting what done what needs to be done and you thrive you know, off that. But then when that subsides and when the reality kicks in and when the news stations aren't covering it and when all the cameras have left and gone, you just sort of wonder how people are then faring and what happens to that adrenaline and to that enthusiasm to keep pushing through. It would it almost goes a little bit the other way. Then you look at what's left, what there is now, like regards to sandbags and all that stuff is still around and you then it then it becomes more of a chore. You look at it and you go, Oh, there's this big job ahead of us now. So yeah, you've lost that adrenaline rush and you just see there's a fair bit of work still to be done because you know where you want to get to, but you've just got to get get that work done to, to get it back to, you know, to as near as possible to what it was before. Mm. So that, that's now where we sit to get it back to that as best we can. Gary, we wish you all the best, mate. Thanks so much. Appreciate appreciate it. Thank you very much and all. Have a great Christmas. Cheers. See you. You too. Merry Christmas. Gary Armstrong there from the Echuca Racing Club. Christy, Christy's in Echuca. Morning, Christy. Morning. What did you want to say? I just want to, um, yeah, sort of reiterate what Gary's saying about being positive and for those who've adapted with what we're kind of, you know, having to deal with. And a huge shout-out to our Riverboats Music Festival, which comes to Echuca 10, 10 years now. They've had to completely change their location because the Aquatic Reserve, which it used to be held at in Echuca, is still underwater. We had a water. We saw the We saw the footage of the levee breaking into that area during the yeah. floods, didn't we, Christy? Yeah, crazy. So it's been a huge task for Riverboats Festival to change locations in a really short time. They're now holding the February at Victoria Park Oval, which is right across the road from my house, which is super exciting. And we're so grateful for this event to still be, you know, happening and coming because they're the things that will help us not just now, but into the future. Absolutely. And I mean, you'll get a free concert over the road. That's always a good thing, isn't it? To be able to enjoy that and to be able to know that you've got a big event coming up like that, Christy. It must be something that keeps the town's spirits high. Absolutely. Because it's not just now, you know, we won't have as many people coming. I'm I'm missing skiing in the river and water skiing on the river, which things that people love to do. But you have to think long term and and you have to adjust and and look beyond that because, you know, people come to Achika because they love the river and they love... Um, all the activities and the events that we have. We're so lucky to have events like the Boats Festival with, you know, really huge artists, you know, um, that people love. So, yeah, I'm so excited that it's still happening because sometimes, you know, as Gary was saying, glass half empty, it's easy to say oh, it's too hard, we won't bother. But, you know, a huge effort to everyone involved and to the local council that's made it happen, to the local cricket club that's had to adjust their program because they're going to lose their oval for a whole weekend. And, um, yeah, I'm so grateful. I can't wait. And if you lose these things, they often don't come back. Chrissy, thank you so mm. much for telling us about that. Lovely to hear your positivity too. Uh, tell us, if you're planning on going to the Murray this summer, are you giving it a miss or do you still foresee that you'll be able to get away and help out a community either returning from flood or uh, do you have to give areas a miss if they're still in flood at the moment? It's a big river. It's a big part of our state and all of these things are being assessed right now. 
on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt with you and Melbourne Warwick Long with you in Shepparton. And we're talking about whether or not you're spending your Christmas period, your Christmas holidays down along the Murray River. Are you going this year, maybe for the first time, or are you returning because it's something that is somewhat of a family tradition? one three hundred triple two seven seven four was before we were speaking to the Muldura Life Saving Club and they were then using some of their resources to help out other coastal areas. This is such an interesting text. It's from Lockie, son of a Torquay Surf Life Saving Club founder, saying, G'day, Melbourne Radio family. Mildura Surf Life Saving Club, or Mildura Life Saving Club, I'm not sure how much surf there is there, was formed by the Torquay Surf Life Saving Club member, one of Victoria's first police search and rescue divers. His name was Mick O'Donnell because so many people were losing their lives up there along the river so that they actually went about trying to teach people how to swim down there. So there is already a history between the coast and the river. People helping people, you love to hear that sort of things as well. And a shout out to a lot of the caravan park type accommodation up and down the Murray River and a lot of the rivers in Victoria, often because of the design design of these things, the caravan parks are in the low areas and many have been flooded either extensively for a long period of time or even multiple times as different levels of floodwaters have come through. I think I even noticed that Wackety Creek Resort, which is Katupna, they even had a post up saying, guys, we've worked really hard to clean up. We're nearly there, but we need a bit of help. And they've got a working bee coming up in an area in December for a lot of the regular families and I suppose people that regularly attend that kind of uh, that place for their holidays, their family holidays, those rite of passage holidays that I was talking about earlier. And this is continuing on for a lot of people. So as those areas open, it, it'll be when more people start going mm. back to more of these tourism areas. Bill's in Wodonga. Morning, Bill. Yeah, good morning. Um, great conversation. And for all the people on the river that are doing it hard, um, we are thinking of you. Our family normally does a reunion in Bendigo and next year we actually convinced them to move it to Echuca and we're actually heading there at the last weekend in February. Ah, well done. I mean, people in Bendigo will miss you, obviously, Bill, but how did everyone react when you said maybe we should relocate our family reunion to Echuca instead? Originally, there was a little bit of um, talk about it because we're all trying to figure out which destination we could go to because we've been to a Bendigo three or four years in a row now. Um, but then when we threw the different options, of, like you look at a Chukra Moama, they've got the the clubs, but they've also got the river boats, they've got the um, car museum there, they've got a tractor museum. They've got a lot of things for the kids to enjoy too. <laughs> and you can only go on a tram so many times. Where this is going to throw a different spanner of works for it. Love it, Bill. Thank you very much for your call. Uh, great to hear that you're thinking about this kind of thing as well. There, there are no right or wrong answers when it no. comes to this as well, Rochelle. It's, but it is interesting to have a conversation like this to find out what people are doing. Mark's in Glen Iris. Hi, Mark. Hi. I'm actually a part-time Duconian. So um, I've, I've, my wife lives up in Dookie. And uh, I go up there on weekends and do stuff. But during the holidays, I'll be going up there a, a bit more and doing more stuff. But um, um, just wondering about what camping there is along in other areas that um, you can get to. This is going to be the hard thing, isn't it, Mark? Because a lot of these parks are along the river and that's where and places for camping are along the river. And that's where you, you can go. These have been flooded and uh, damaged 
significantly. So the the availability of those campsites that are in government parks is going to be severely limited this year. You can you can head to the Parks Victoria website to to read a lot more on what is going to be open and what's not in certain areas. Uh, but I suppose that's why you heard the tourism. Uh, board sort of encouraging people to go to caravan park type locations to to camp there and obviously there's a, a higher fee involved to camp at that kind of place as well but there's certainly been a big encouragement of people to do more of that rather than mm. park, uh, camp in the national parks because areas like uh, say the Barma National Park have had you know, 60,000 megalitres of water a day flowing through them and that's obviously got, leads to well a lot of water in the park and less area to where you can camp, but also things, concerns around trees and so forth that have had wet feet and, and, and have could, can fall over and drop limbs and so forth. So probably best to go to the Parks Victoria website to try and find out more there, but it certainly is something to keep an eye on and do your research before you go anywhere. Good on you, Mark. Thank you. Christine's in a true car. She sent a text saying, I was just in a chat in the main street with our man in our kebab shop this week. I was made aware of just how dead the town is, especially in the evening, and how much we are missing our visitors. He's worrying about our small business. Please come and visit. The kebab shop is not something you think about when you think about a lack of tourists, but that is exactly the kind of difficulties that a lot of small business operators face at a time like this when people aren't coming. And I really feel like a kebab right about now. As soon as you say the word kebab, I am right there. Rowan Burgess is the Managing Director of the Murray River Paddle Steamers in Echuca. Rowan, a lot of texts coming in asking whether or not people can get on paddle steamers and which sections of the river they can and can't access. What information do you currently have for us on that? Oh, hi, Rochelle. Yep. So we are operating. Yeah, fortunately, they uh, we uh, had that river open for paddle steamers about a week or so ago or last uh, sort of weekend. Um, we can push out customers now in terms of enjoying the river. One of the messages that Gary was talking about before about seeing, seeing things in a different way is that gee, a lot of us wouldn't have seen the river from a paddle steamer at this height, yeah. you know, forever. And it's an amazing opportunity to see the river. Personally, I was out with a trial on the paddle steamer Canberra um, last Thursday with the SES, and I was like, "Wow, look at this river!" In terms of what we, what you see with it so high, and it's, um, it's it's sort of at the top of its banks now and receding into its banks um, quite safely. And so, really, it it is a, quite a treat to see the river in a different way that most of us haven't seen for years and years. Yeah, when you go to the wharf at Echuca, usually you have to go right down the stairs to try and find a, the paddle steamer yeah. to get on, Rowan, but is it a, a bit different at the moment? Yeah, oh, um, the, the boats are at the top of the wharf, um, so we're, I think we're one flight down as of uh, this morning uh, because the river is receding so quickly, but literally you could have um, stepped, uh, well, you were stepping <laughs> across Step straight the top across. of the wharf. <laughs> yes. And I wonder, so, are they easier or more difficult to navigate, Rowan? Was and I had the privilege of being um, on board one of the paddle steamers, gosh, how long ago now was? Almost two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was incredible when the driver would say, okay, well, we're going to turn here or we're going to make a manoeuvre here. And you'd be thinking, how on earth is going to turn this ship around? Hence where the saying comes from. Does it make it easier or more difficult when the river's at the level it's at? Well, my first thing to say is that um, paddle steamers are regulated under the Australian Maritime Safety Authority like aeroplanes. And so we've got professional skippers. And Thank really you. I was well thinking, trained. what's the right term there? Driver is not, yeah, didn't quite yeah. cut it. Skipper sounds better. Skipper yeah. sounds better. Apologies. But, 
No, 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 but, but from the point of view that they're trained real well to manage these sorts of um, circumstances. So part of their training and part of, part of our safety obligations, et cetera, is to know how to manage a, a fast-flowing river like it is. And you, you combine that with, you know, 100-plus years of engineering in terms of the paddle stemmers, they're very strong engines with big paddles. So they, they, they really are man, uh, designed for flood situations. And, and, yeah, they were doing that. You know, the boats used to be the trucks. Of, you know, our trucks on the roads today, the boats used to do that. They brought wool and wood and all that sort of stuff to a trooper across the wharf onto the trains and then down to Melbourne, and it was the lifeblood of the interior of Australia. Well, now we take passengers. And, and no, they were doing it, you know, they didn't have closures of rivers when there was floods in the day. <laughs> and we went right up into New South Wales, Queensland, to bring all the wool and wood down. And so, yeah, they, they do quite a good job in the high, high river. And how did the the boats go, I suppose, in terms of the, the flood? Were you moving them around quite a lot to try and find the right spot? Or do you know exactly where to take them when the floodwater's coming through? Yeah, fortunately, again, we've put a fair bit of experience in a... Um, organisation like ours. We've had people uh, here for a long time. We had uh, the paddle stemmer MLU, which was our, is our flagship um, accommodated uh, vessel. She was downstream a bit in a nice open area, away from trees and, and heavy current. Um, and then the rest of the fleet, effectively, for Echuca, because Echuca's, you know, um, paddle stemmer capital of Australia, we had uh, all of them tied up in front of the wharf, um, you know, Adelaide, Arbuthnot, Pevensey, Canberra, Hero, they're all there. It was a, it's a it was a beautiful sight, actually, to see all these beautiful paddle steamers all lined up. Wow. You could have been stepping back into sort of like, you know, 1890 when they all worked there like that. I love that. I love that image so much. It's so strong. Rowan, I don't know if you can answer this, but text is coming in around houseboats and whether or not people can access houseboats or hire houseboats at the moment. You wouldn't know so the, the guys, answer to that, do you? <laughs> yeah, well, I do because we're working together with the SES and the houseboat organisations to you know, to try and get the river open um, for our season. So they are work, They are able to go out. They're allowed to go out. They've got some um, some restrictions in terms of, you know, they're being um, assisted by the owners to get to a spot where they're safe to, to tie up, et cetera. Uh, I think most of them are getting underway mid-next week. Okay. Um, so best of all, um, Good. you know, sort of contact each of those organisations directly, yeah. Uh, it's nice to hear that some things are returning. Rowan, thanks so much for joining us. Okay, my pleasure. Rowan Burgess there, Managing Director of Murray River Paddle Steamers at Echuca, has been out, says it's a different way to look at the river. It certainly would be at the moment, whilst the water remains high. 1300 222 774 if you want to join us on the conversation hour today as we look at the Murray and are tourists returning and if you are planning on returning and when, Nora has called from Hampton. Hi, Nora. Hi, how are you? I'm so excited hearing about the Murray. I love the Murray. All of us family... Went up to Murray for years and years and years to Rufus River. And my, it was just spectacular. There was nothing there except us and the fish and the river. Oh, and it's truly, truly divine. It's a pretty special place, Nora, isn't it? So oh, how, how, oh, long, yeah. how many years have you been visiting? Oh, I would say at least 30, perhaps more. But we used to take all the children up in the olden days and it was so exciting. Everybody just shots and t-shirts, go and get our fish for breakfast in the morning, and then come in and pop it on the on the, the thing out to cook. It was so beautiful. Oh, and so you must have seen it change a lot, Nora, over the years, did you? At least in popularity. Well, I haven't been up there since COVID, so that's my ambition to go up there every single year and visit there. It is so exciting. But unless you've been, you, you, you don't get it. You know, you 
you've got to visit those places. Well, Nora, they need to get you to be in their next tourist information <laughs> video, I reckon. <laughs> You've probably given it the best sell possible. Beach. I love the beach as well, but I'm telling you, when you go to Rufus River, that Murray, oh, man, oh, man, it is absolutely fabulous. I, I couldn't agree more. And I hadn't been since I was a kid until we went, was, and I'm with Nora. There's something just so special about it and spending time along it. And I remember I went home and said to my husband, that's it. We're spending next Christmas or next holidays. We're we're, not getting there thanks to COVID, but there is something beautiful about it. Hey, just for Mark from Glen Iris, I'm actually on the Parks Victoria website surfing around right now. If you hit flood and storm affected parks, you get a map with all the little uh, pins on it and you can surf your way around to find out if the park you're intending to go is either open or shut. Uh, When we put our focus and our spotlight on the Murray in the peak of the floods, we wanted to know about the fish and so many of those fish were actually being rescued and relocated with the idea of them being re-released into the Murray at some point. And was there were incredible images of Murray craze kind of crawling to the banks trying to get air. On posts, up trees. It was amazing. It really is. So to see where it's at at the moment, Michelle Slate is the Program Manager of the Northern Victoria Oz Fish Group. And Ozfish is a as a not for profit. It's a it's a community group that gets out there and pretty much rescues rescues fish in in times of crisis as well. Michelle, what's the current state? Are you at the point where you're still rescuing, or are you starting to re-release fish? Oh, hello there. Uh, yeah, we're um, it's it's actually slowed down, so we're not getting quite as many calls coming in uh, regarding you know fish in distress or, or fish kills or crayfish, um, which is a good thing. Um, but we are still out there uh, collecting uh, the odd crayfish um, and uh, taking them into an aquaculture facility in Mildura um, and, yeah, looking after those those fish and those crayfish uh, until the river's deemed to be safe and uh, we can re-release them uh, hopefully in the, in the coming weeks, um, possibly in the early new year, and um, get them back into the rivers again. So how many crays or fish have you collected? Uh, so far, Ozfish uh, staff and volunteers have been able to successfully capture over 700 freshwater crayfish and around 50 native fish from Victorian and New South Wales waterways. So it's been a very busy couple of months for us all. And if you had the, the staff and the volunteers to be able to do this, because I know, you know, last time when we touched base with Ozfish, you guys were working around the clock and incredible long hours in order to do this work. How are you guys faring? Look, we've been um, really lucky, actually. There's been so many people who have um, put up their hands to, to volunteer to help. Um, so not just our, our Ozfish volunteers, but um, just members from the community who've, who've wanted to um, pitch in and help out as well. Um, so I think that sort of speaks to, you know, how uh, connected these communities are to the river systems and, and how important it is for them to, you know, make sure that these, these fish and crayfish, um, you know, have a chance of, of survival and, and getting back into the river system later on. And speaking of that love and the connection that people like yourself have to, to the river system, as Rochelle mentioned, it was quite distressing to see yeah. either the, the crays climbing up the, the uh, trees and so forth or m- more the, the death of some big old 
fish, uh, especially ones like cod and and so forth. That Murray cod that are so iconic to to the area. Is it a, a I suppose a relief now that those call outs to to events like that are slowing down? Yeah, oh, it's definitely a relief. Um, there's been you know some some awful um, videos and, and photos sort of going around on social media from around the area of the fish kills. Um, and it has been, you know, really distressing for a lot of people in the region. Um, so we are hoping that, you know, the worst of it is behind us. Um, and, you know, we're looking forward to, you know, coming into the new year and, and hopefully the dissolved oxygen levels in the rivers will continue to improve um, and we'll have a chance to, yeah, get all these these rescued crays and fish back into the river where we collected them from. Yeah, you're so right in that it was stressful not just for the fish but for your team as well and for locals to, to witness that. Michelle, thank you so much for, for the work that you and your team have done and we wish you a, a, restful, uh, a restful Christmas. So thanks so much. No worries at all. And I would also like to say thank you to all the volunteers um, who have helped us out over the past few months. It's been really wonderful and Aussies, um really can't function without them. Yeah, well done. Thank you very much for that, Michelle. Thanks. It's Michelle Slate there, Program Manager for the, for the Northern Victoria Ausfish. And just on that too, the New South Wales side of the border had been collecting and housing a lot of these uh, crays and, and fish as well, Rochelle. And there's a beautiful story, ABC Online, just go searching on the news sites if you want today, about the return of some of the crays to the area around Tokemore, uh, which is obviously you know further upstream from where a lot of the flooding is happening at the moment, saying they've been feeding them a healthy diet of carrots, cucumbers, broccoli and cauliflower. <laughs> they've cleaned them up and it's like Cinderella going off to the ball releasing. Oh. These uh, these crays back to the river system, so it is a nice moment when that can happen, and I hope the Ozfish volunteers get to have that moment soon in the coming weeks when the conditions improve in that part of the river system. Talking about the, the riverboats and the history of the riverboats, especially when they were all lined up and the images that it would take you back to how they were originally used. Francis has sent a text saying, my great-grandfather was a riverboat captain taking supplies and picking up wool from the Murray. Apparently, he would be away for months at a time when the river dropped. That's from Francis. And this, we camped along the Murray River every Easter as a child. Amazing memories. If you can't make it there for summer, please make plans for Easter holidays. And thank you, you too, for always bringing regional stories to our Melbourne ears. It's important work for all Victorians. Oh, Marie and Fitzroy, thank you so much. But it's true, isn't it? And I think we've realised over the last few years of doing this show was is that we are all connected and the floods that happen in parts of regional Victoria, even if you live in suburban Melbourne, they affect us all in some way. It's so easy to bar humbug either the city or the country, depending on where you, you live. But we are so connected and actually we want the best for each other so many times and I really enjoy this program Rochelle because I feel like it gives us the opportunity to make those connections sometimes and you can say words like bar humbug like did you, <laughs> yeah, you, just you say let that? me get away with that every <laughs> no, now and then I, didn't. I was just <laughs> waiting for the appropriate moment to say you said bar humbug Steve Trafell is from Trellies Fishing and Hunting and of course you can always hear him on ABC Goulburn Murray Steve if people normally head along the Murray to fish over the summer period what's fishing like how open is fishing at the moment Ah, yeah, good morning, morning to the listeners. Yeah, look, it's been, uh, as you know, all these stories are coming through, so there's been some some not-so-good uh, spots and there's been some absolute cracker spots. And what we're seeing is um, 
those spots that sort of fringe some of these areas that you've been talking about are fishing really, really well. And you'll probably continue to see that as the river drops and some of these water bays get back to, you know, pretty much a normal sort of level. But, you know, around Attuk and along the Murray, look, the water is still still pretty high and um, there are a lot of places, as we know, and, and, and muddy and not fishing particularly that well. Um, but yeah, places like the Goldman will start to pick up soon. Mulwala had their fishing competition up there um, last weekend, and it was just under 2,000 entries, and it was over 700 uh, fish wow. uh, measured and sent in. You know, not not weighed in, sent in <clears throat> for the prizes. The biggest cod was 118 centimetres, and the biggest yellow belly 58 centimetres. And I know some guys that went up there and fished below the wall, and they had had you know, some terrific catches up that way. Did see some some dead fish too, I must admit, um, but the, the catch was uh, really, really good, so it was really going well in that particular area. And that will continue downstream as those waters come back to some sort of normality. So getting into the bush might be a little bit of a bit of a challenge as far as yeah, this Christmas as we're talking about, but we're sort of looking towards you know, Australia Day and, and Easter coming up. But it's, it's important for people to sort of visit these areas and, and mm. fish. A couple of good things come out. It's all well-being. You know? It's all getting out and doing the stuff we do, as, yeah. as you've been talking about on the show. Um, that's always good. But but for us, as far as um, fishing shops along the Murray River, you know, if it's if the cod opening is not that good and the talk around the table isn't about isn't about who went out and caught something, which is the case this this opening, which is the first of December, that doesn't relate back to sales for all those shops on the river and boats and motors and all the visitations and all the money that comes with those visitations to these areas. So we're looking at probably, you know, down the track a little bit further, you know, uh, February to Easter time to uh, really get back in the swing of things. Mm. But we've got to think too that the Murray Cod, it, it'll survive. There's no problem yet. You know, we've got Arcadia, which is our new hatchery. It's not up to speed yet. It'll be producing anywhere between 8 and 10 million uh, Murray Cod in the next few years. So that restocking will continue and, and feed all these rivers and get them all going again. So, so yeah, we're going through a little bit of a tough time at the moment, certainly in certain areas, but other places are going really, really well. So uh, the Compassby's fishing well, you know, around Elmore, those sorts of areas, some guys were down there surface fishing. Um, you probably already covered it on your show, but um, if, you, if you look up NSW, New South Wales Maritime um, Marine Notice, and you'll see it'll bring you to a, a thing that says restrictions and closures. So that'll give you some information on the boating. Oh, so beautiful. It's, it's, yeah, Paracuta Homestead upstream. Um, you can boat. It's got a 15-knot uh, maximum speed um, for wash. Uh, and same with a lot of the Edwards. That's just been lifted of last Friday. But oh, Paracuta, Charlie, we'll probably have to leave it there, but you've, you've absolutely oh, nailed a lot of the report. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, Steve Trellful there. Good on you, mate. Uh, for Trelly's fishing and hunting. When Trelly's cooking, you just let him go, Michelle. That's what you do. so full of information as yeah. well. Every bit, I was like, oh, right. Oh, right. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. It's good, good info. To know. And it's, that's the kind of info you need to look up if you're going. And if that's the thing you do, that information's important for you. And it's it's lovely to hear. And it's, been good to talk about what you can and can't do along the Murray this year. Hey, mate, thanks so much. This text for you. God, was as amazing. I heard him on with Trevor at 5.30. Now the conversation hour with Rish and then the country hour at noon. Very dedicated. Top marks, was. <laughs> Checks <laughs> in the mail. Good on you. Thanks, Take mate. care and I'll speak with you soon.